0: We don't come to to read out a Reader's Digest here or somebody's theory. We come to see what the Word says. And so if you brought your Bible, I encourage you to look at these Scriptures with us because we're going to look at several Scriptures. And uh, I've always, when I go to church, I've always wanted to get something practical, something that I can just take home and apply in my life. You know, I didn't want to hear a bunch of pie-in-the-sky things that, you know, kind of I couldn't get my hands on or... You know, it didn't really seem like it was something I could use, but um, I wanted to get something that had, gave me answers, and so we're going to get into some more things. We've been sharing some things on uh, the difference between different kind of teachings in, in the body of Christ regarding how God does things in our lives. Sometimes people just kind of think it's all sovereign, and He kind of does it all, decides what He does, when He does it, for who He does it for, and He's just sort of running everything, and... You know, if, if it was good, it was God. If it was good, if it was bad, it was God trying to teach you something. And you know what I'm talking about? Just, just everything that happens, God has a purpose for it. And we made a statement that some people made last week. We made a statement some people make, you know, uh, everything happens for a reason. And a lot of times they're referring to God's God's behind it, and he's, he's making this happen for a reason. But we see in the Bible there are things that the devil is doing in the earth. The uh, Bible says Satan's the God of this world. And the Bible says that um, uh, Satan, like t- Acts ten thirty eight, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power. He went about doing good and healing the notice all who were what oppressed, oppressed yeah. of the devil. So not everything in, in the in the world that's happening is of God. Right. The devil's doing some oppressing. Yes, he He's doing some things. Yes. Yes, Amen. And he uses the fallen fallen nature of man. He uses the free will of man. He gets people, manipulates people to use their free will for evil things. And none of those things can be attributed to God because he's not, he didn't have anything to do with it. You know, he gave man free will and uh, in the garden gave Adam authority uh, in the garden of Eden. And Adam used his free will and used that authority to do the wrong thing. He submitted it to Satan. Then we come to Second Corinthians four, four, and it says Satan is the God of this world. So the God of this world means there's a lot of things he's doing down here. A lot of things he's doing down there. I mean, down here. I mean, you look in the uh, in the uh, social scene of our nation. There's there's division. There's there's strife. There's riots. Uh, you look at the economic scene. There's things very unstable and, and messed up. You look at the political scene. You can see the enemy working through that at times. Uh, You know, these are not just God sovereignly, you know, making things go these ways. These are the enemy behind a man with a fallen nature making wrong decisions, yielding and listening to the enemy, and getting, getting the results that the enemy wanted to get in this earth. Amen? And so that's not necessarily scriptural that God's running everything. And, uh, and so we want to look, though, at some others, the other side of some of this. Some say uh, what, the word, what actually the Word actually says. And that is, if you want to just go to the first verse, go to Matthew chapter number uh, 9, verse number 29. Jesus said some of the most powerful statements, one of the most powerful statements in the whole Bible. And it's, it's in the Bible in many, many, many different ways in different places. And it's stated in different ways in different places. But in Matthew 9, 29, Jesus was ministering to a, uh, to a blind man uh, and said, according, Matthew uh, two blind men actually, Matthew 9, 29, Then touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. Eight of the most powerful words in the entire Bible they though as you uh, meditate in the scriptures they'll become more and more powerful to you because this is not this is not god saying everything happens according to my sovereign will right. this is things happen according to man's faith right. yeah. you know faith in god yeah. faith in god faith he's saying is the open door for god to get his way in our lives In the earth, right? According to your faith. Not according to my faith. Jesus didn't say it was according to his faith. Not according to the disciples' faith, right? You know, sometimes we thank God for mama's prayers and grandmama's prayers, but it's not according to their faith. (laughs) They might can get us some things, but compared to what our faith can get in our lives, they can't get near as much because we're more in authority in our lives than grandma is, though she loves us. Because, because Jesus didn't say here according to grandma's faith, according to the disciples' faith, according to his faith. According, he said, to your faith. What's going to be unto you? What is going to be unto you? What you use your faith for. Does that make sense? Um, I don't remember the translation. I think it's called the Rue translation, R-I-E-U or something like that. I have to look it up again. But it says something to the effect, your reward will be equal to your faith. Not greater than, not less than. You know? Now, whether you know it or not, that is a big problem for a lot of things preached in the body of Christ. (laughs) Because it's not preached that way. It's preached as if God's sort of making decisions and you know, doing things for this person and not for that person. Yeah. We could take a whole, we could take two whole services and look through the Bible at where one person received and another one didn't. Right. Yeah. And it was according, and the Bible says every time it was according to their faith. How many of you know Noah, the Bible says by faith Noah yeah. built that boat to, to escape. Yeah. But how many of you know everybody else perished? It wasn't that God just took a liking to Noah. Right. Right. It was that he had faith and the yeah. others didn't. It says the same thing about Israel going through the Red Sea. By faith, Hebrews 11 says, they went through the Red Sea. That's right. Amen. Which the Egyptians, a saying to do, were drowned. They didn't do it in faith. They did it pursuing Israel to try to capture them. Israel did it by faith because God had spoken to him go through that open, you know, he had opened the sea. So, but, but, uh, and you can see that over and over again. Like, for example, Rahab is mentioned in Hebrews chapter number 11. It says, by faith, Rahab. By faith, Rahab. What did she do? She received the spies, you remember? And remember, she was spared when the rest of the whole city was destroyed. Did God just take a liking to her? No, she had faith. Uh, and we could go on and on and on. Here we see uh, these men had faith. The woman with the issue of blood was healed and the others around her were not. Because she said, Jesus said, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Right. Amen? Amen. We need to hear this because it needs, our thinking needs to be adjusted according to the word mm. and not be sort of just clouded with religious jabber that nobody really knows what they're trying to say. I want to know where, how much is God's responsibility in this situation, and how much am I responsible for? And where God's responsible, I want to let Him do what He needs to do. And where I'm responsible, I want to do what I need to do. And a, a lot of what happens in you and my life is by grace through faith. You might say, Pastor, this is just real simple. It is so simple, people miss it. They miss it. That's Ephesians. What is that? 2.8. By grace are you saved through faith. But if you look through the Scriptures, not only does salvation come that way, everything else in our life comes that way. By grace. In other words... Heaven did, what he, heaven did what they needed to do, and Jesus did what he needed to do to provide so many things for us by grace. Right. But the provision of it does not equal you and my experience of it. Exactly. Yes, There's many things that we don't experience, that believers don't experience because they don't know about them maybe. Maybe they don't know it's been provided in redemption. They don't know about the grace of God. They have grace kind of in one category over here in the remission of sin. And I'm telling you, if you're going to get anything, get that. <laughs> you know? But the grace is, is so multifaceted and it has provided so much. Redemption provided many, many things for this natural realm. Redemption provided for the healing of your body. Uh, that's by grace. Grace, by grace, Jesus took that. Let's put it this way. Grace is another word for graciousness. Yeah. For by God's graciousness, yes. taking our sicknesses on and putting them on Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was awfully gracious towards me. Yeah. Yeah. That, but that's not the end of me being healed. Me must mix faith with that. So in everything God does, God has a part and man has a part. Yes. Yes. We've got to think clearly on that. And God's part is what he did through Christ by grace all the things He made us in Christ. We didn't do that. We didn't accomplish that. We didn't work that out. (laughs) We didn't pay the price for all that. You know, God did all that, not because we were worthy, but because He was gracious. But that's not the end of it, right? Uh, Man must mix his faith with that. Why are some saved and some are not? Is God deciding that? No. That's man. Some believe and some don't. Bible said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. God's not sending anybody to hell. People's unbelief is sending them to hell. He's made, he was, because of his graciousness, good enough to make a way out of that. That's right. Amen. But see, people want God to do it all. In fact, that's another saying people say. They said, just let go and let God. As if it's all, then they'll say that, it's all God. Well, the provision of it for us, yes, was all God. But us experiencing it down here in this life is not all God. The Bible says in first Timothy six twelve, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life. Now, you might say, well, that's, that must be talking to sinners. Do you know he's actually talking to a young man named Timothy who's already born again? Yes. Lay hold of eternal life. Wait, well, wait a minute. Timothy's already born again. Paul, don't you remember, remember when he got saved? Lay hold of eternal life. What are you talking about? A man that's already got eternal life, you're saying lay hold of it. See, there's more to eternal life than a ticket to heaven. Eternal life is not just eternal existence with God. It is a quality of living down here on this earth. And that's obvious because he's saying to a man already born again, lay hold of this God kind of life that I've made available, God's God's made available for us down here in this life. So by grace through faith. Now, does, does lay hold sound like let go and let God? Huh? Uh, no sir, no sir. About the same thing, right? Lay hold and let go and let God? No, no, no. No, 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 no. Pretty much, same thing? No, sir, no, 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 not at all. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> you can smile this morning. <laughs> Nobody's going to hurt you. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise uh, there's a verse in Matthew. I don't know if I can find it real quick. Maybe uh, some of the Bible scholars in the room maybe can help me. But uh, there's a verse in Matthew that talks about the uh, the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Yeah. Matthew eleven twelve is 12, that, is that the reference? The kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it, take it. by force. It. Yep. Now, that's not, that's not a scripture promoting violence in the way we think of violence. You know, guns and mobs and stuff. He... he, he he tells us in that verse what this violence is. He said they take it. It's a spiritual violence of taking, of laying hold or receiving. Right? Are y'all thinking with me? Yes, sir. Is it Matthew 11:12? He said the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. And in other words, there's opposition the word violence means opposition against you entering the kingdom and entering into anything in the kingdom. Did you hear that? That's a, that's a very important statement. The, the kingdom of heaven suffers. Satan doesn't just roll over and let people get saved. He tells them, you don't need to do that now. You, you want, you're going you're gonna to miss a lot of fun in life. I mean, he just, he, just, he opposes people from getting into the kingdom with all sorts of methods that he uses and so forth and so on. Probably most of us didn't get saved the very first time we heard the gospel. Maybe some of us did, but probably most of us didn't. Why? Because there was this warfare going on the devil was saying, no, you don't need to do that. I know I went through that for a while. I wanted to do my own thing, except my own way wasn't working out. You know what I'm talking about. So, um, he's talking about that when he says the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. There's opposition against you getting into the kingdom. You're, you're in the kingdom, but I'm saying anybody who comes into the kingdom, there's opposition against that. But, but even in the kingdom, entering into that blessing that the kingdom has provided is going to be opposed. What do you need to do? Take it. Take it. Not passively. But aggressively, yes. Yes. like he said in First Timothy 6, uh, Timothy six twelve, fight the good fight of faith. No, you don't have to fight the devil. That's that's where people get off. They, the devil's been already fought and defeated. Am I making any sense? Jesus whooped him. Always when you see the devil mentioned in the New Testament, if it said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rules, you look at that verse and you always have to remember how Colossians says they're already defeated. Jesus spoiled principalities and powers. So when you read principalities and powers, always read defeated principalities and powers. The ones that are under your feet. Now this isn't for, uh, you know... Casual Christianity, this is a little deeper kind of understanding of the Scriptures this morning. But those defeated forces, although they're defeated, they're not yet imprisoned. Right, right. They're still walking about seeking whom they may devour. You have authority over them. Yes. But one thing you have to know is how they operate and not be ignorant of their devi- d- devices. Because the Bible says in 2 Corinthians, uh, what is that, 2.11, 2, 2, That lest Satan should get the advantage of us for we're not ignorant of his devices. Ignorance of how he does things uh, enables him to get the advantage over us. And how does he do things? He, He lies. He deceives. He tries to get people to walk by sight, walk by feelings. He sends wrong religious doctrines and he's trying to get in people's thought life, get them thinking wrong, believing wrong, and believing they've got to win the victory. Jesus already won the victory for you. You don't have to win the victory, you have to occupy the victory. When he said fight the good fight of faith in 1st Timothy 6:12. See, none of this is in my notes. I've been trying to get to my notes for 3 weeks. But when when the Bible says fight the good fight of faith, you and I automatically think of a boxing match because that's our culture, you know, and so forth and so on. We think of a boxing match. Fight the good fight of faith must mean, you know, like a boxing match. Um, But they didn't have that kind of sporting events in in the day of Paul's writings. Paul referred to sporting events quite often, actually. That's what he meant when he talks about running the race that's set before you. He talked a lot about sporting events. He had been to, because the, the Olympics started way back in Paul's day. Did you know that? The Greco-Roman Games. And he had been to that big Coliseum. We see the ruins of it. He had been there, watched the games, all those things, all sporting events and so forth and so on. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> see, we don't have a, a professional team in Iowa, so we've adopted the, the, the Chiefs, all right? There, you go. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. <laughs> <laughs> go Mahomes, <my> right? <laughs> Uh Uh-oh, uh-oh, (laughs) uh-oh. But Paul had been to those kinds of events, and he knew, you know, the different events. And when he said fight the good fight, he's not talking about a boxing match. They didn't have it back then. He was talking about, (laughs) let me give you the closest thing we have to it today. In the Greco-Roman games, they had this. But the closest thing we have today is sumo wrestling. It's not pretty, but it is. (laughs) It is what it is. Uh, but but in the in the games they had this event to where two wrestlers would get in the, uh, the the it was a big circle. You ever seen sumo wrestling? Let's just say we drew a big circle up here. These two big guys in diapers, they get in there, you know, <laughs> and they're they're going out. They're they're not beating one another like this. They're actually using tactics and strategies to get their opponent outside of that circle that make any sense? You ever, if, if you've ever endured <laughs> sumo wrestling, <laughs> that's what it is. I, I've never watched it much, but I know, I know a little about it. And Paul was saying, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life. When he said fight the good fight of faith, he's not talking about yeah. punching right. the devil. Right. He's talking about the enemies to resist, the enemy's attempts of getting you out of the arena of faith. Did you get that? He'll use all sorts of strategies to get you to, rather than occupy what Jesus provided for you. Remember, because Jesus didn't say you're in the uh, fighting army. He said you're in the occupation army. He said, occupy till I come. Occupy. Jesus won the territory of all that's in redemption for you and me. Our job is to stand in the middle of it and occupy it. And not step, don't don't listen to the enemy's lies to get you out of the arena of faith into the arena of unbelief. I got to get this. I got to get this. You already got this. You're already redeemed. Jesus placed you in all of redemption's provisions. And he said, stay there. Don't don't let the devil get you out of this realm of believing what my word says I've already done for you. Wow. And that's what he meant when he said fight the good fight of faith. You fight the good fight of faith by resisting the lies that says you're not who God says you are and you don't have what God says you have. You got to resist the lies. His strategy is to lie. In fact, if you looked in this toolbox right now, you would find only one one tool in there and that's deception. He's defeated. Remember at the end, the Bible says, whenever he finally, Jesus finally throws him into the bottomless pit, the Bible says the nations look at him and say, is this the one that deceived the nations? It's a big question mark. Yeah. This little defeated nothing worm. I mean, of you know we don't need to wait to, till that day to get the revelation he's defeated already? Well, why is he able to do so much? Because people believe lies. If you'll fight in the arena of holding him in the arena of truth and holding him in the arena of faith, the arena of the Word of God, you'll whoop him every single time. But if he can get you out of the arena of faith, out of the arena of the Word, and into the arena of doubt and unbelief and trying and begging, and he'll whoop you every single time. Hold him in the arena of faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, that was all free. I have no idea how we got into all that (laughs) except that the Holy Ghost helped us. (laughs) Praise the Lord. So um, the woman with the issue of blood, let's go back to her because that's kind of, sort of, kind of where we left off. Jesus said to her, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Your faith. There were other people. That crowd, remember... The disciples questioned why Jesus said that because the crowd was pressing on him. In other words, there was more people touching just to see what would happen. And and they didn't get anything. But this woman touched with faith. Jesus, and instantly the power went out of him, went into her. Now, we got to go and look at this because... The way this is stated is absolutely damaging to so many things that are preached. Let's look back. Go back to Mark chapter number five. Mark chapter number five. Getting anything this morning? Yes, look at verse. Well, my, my, my. Look at verse 25. <clears throat> well, go back to verse number. Verse number 20. Yeah, let start starting start verse 25. certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years had suffered many things and many physicians spent all that she had and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus. Now, right there, is how, many, how does faith come? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. When she had heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind. Notice that. The press, because there's a, there's a lot of people there, and touched his garment, for she said. What she say? If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. Now look at verse 30. This is, there's so much in verse 30 that I missed for years. And Jesus immediately knowing in himself that virtue, that's the Greek word for power. Dunamis is the Greek word. It's the Greek word for power. Translate power in the New Testament. Look at the next word. What's the next word? King James, at least, it's had. Power had, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him. Turned him himself, in other words, about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? Now notice, the disciples said unto him, thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou who touched me? In other words, there was a lot of people thronging him. And probably some of them just touching to see if anything would happen, because he had been preaching the spirit of the Lord's on me. He's anointed me. And uh, whenever they touched, we have no record of anyone else receiving anything, right. yeah. at least in this case. <clears throat> now, immediately when she touched him, uh-huh. Jesus stopped. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And notice how this said that in verse number 30. Immediately, Jesus immediately knowing in himself, in himself means in his spirit, that virtue or power had gone out of him. He stopped and he asked and so forth and so on. And the whole, te- whole testimony took a while. And, and then Jesus said down there in verse number 34. Verse 34 says, Daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. See, that's the same statement as Matthew 9:29, just in a little bit different, just a little different words. Isn't that right? Daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. Matthew 9 29, according to your faith be it unto you. Yes, yeah. So this woman's faith made her whole. Do you believe that if her faith will make her whole, that your faith will make you whole? Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Glory to God. That's what we need to realize about the way people teach God's sovereign and He does this and does that and doesn't do this and doesn't do that for other people. Uh, that's incorrect. That's incorrect. I I, I would love a great big amen right there. Incorrect. Incorrect. And Jesus didn't say it was God's sovereignty that did this for the woman with the issue of blood. He said it was her faith. Her faith. Wow. That takes the idea of God running everything and blows it to smithereens. (laughs) Just doesn't, it doesn't work. One or the other has to be true. Either it's this, daughter, this woman's faith made her whole or God sovereignly did it. We've got to decide and settle this and never go back, if we find the truth on it, never go back into lies or traditions. Thank you. This woman's faith made her whole. Now, I want you to see verse 30. I, I can't let that go. Jesus immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him. It had already happened. What am I saying? By the time Jesus knew it, Uh it had already happened. Can you see that? He didn't know it right before it happened. It already had happened. By the time he knew it. Read that verse again. Immediately knowing in himself, that's in his spirit, that power had, had gone out. Mm -hmm. Pastor, what are you making such a big... What's the point? Okay, I'll get to the point. He wasn't controlling that. He wasn't controlling that. He wasn't controlling whether the power went to this one and didn't go to that one. If he was controlling it it wouldn't have gone out until he would have said, okay, it's God's will for you. But it went out before he even had time to ask God, is this your will for her? Meaning he wasn't controlling it. God does not have his, his hand on the on-off switch of his power in people's lives. People have their hand on the on-off switch of his power in their lives. Now, I don't have my hand on the on-off switch in somebody else's life. That's right. They have their hand on it on their life. But when it comes to my life, I have my hand on the on-off switch. Yeah. I remember years ago, I met a pastor. I, I preached for him, actually, up in Illinois, that um, come to find out, he was one of the ones Brother Hagin told a story about. Actually, his, it was his brother, but it was his family. And I'll tell you this story because it's quite, it's, quite, it's quite revealing along this line. Yes, sir. Um, I, I talked to this pastor and I got more of the details. Brother Hagin would tell this story and it was always good, but this pastor filled me in on some more details and it helped me understand the story. Here's the story. Brother Hagin would tell a story about a man that um, his family, he, he fell into a coma. Uh, he was 39 years old, uh, right, getting close to 40. And uh, he, was, he, was, uh, for, he fell into a coma. And the, the family was friends through, through some relatives and so forth. was friends of, with, with the Hagan family. And so when this young man, and I say young, you know, that's not old. Right, right. He fell into this coma. They called Brother Hagan to come pray. So he went up to the hospital room. And uh, Brother Hagan went in to lay hands on him. And as he laid his hands on him, he said the Spirit of God spoke to him and said, Spiritual laws have been set. Laws have been set in motion at this time, have been set in motion, and cannot be reversed at this time. Release his spirit and let him come on home. Well, that's not what you wanted. Right. But how many of you know I can't control, and you can't control, and nobody can control uh, the power, the flow of the power of God. The person controls the flow of the power of God. I'm talking about I can't control it in somebody else's life. I'm a nice man. I'm trying to get this power to flow to everybody. (laughs) You know? And God's the same way. Ephesians says it this way, Ephesians 2, he wants us to know. It's the prayer for the church, pray this, that that they would know these things. One thing is that they would know the power that is to us word who believe. You ever read that in Ephesians 1? Is that verse 19 or 20? Somewhere right in there? 18, 19, or 20? Somewhere right in there. That we would know the power that is to us word. We're this power's target. It's directed towards us. 119, thank you. We're the target of it. We're the... the, they're the it's in our direction. But we have to flip the switch, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. It's like lights and, uh, or electricity in a wall going to light. You flip the switch, the power that's there flows. That's right. yeah. Yes. Yeah. It flows to the lights, and the lights go on. Yeah. Yeah. Right? right. Yeah. Notice we never say the electricity turned the lights on. Right. Yeah. Right. We never say it that way. Yeah. Right. We say, Joe ran, went over to the switch and turned the lights on. Yeah. <laughs> Or whoever it was, right? God doesn't turn his, his electricity on. He turned it on. He turned it on. Let me, let me rephrase that. He turned it on. It's ready to come into our lives, but we got to flip the switch we have to, do. Right. to keep it flowing past the point of our realm of authority where the power has to, the power can only come into our realm of authority by us turning the switch of faith on. And that's true if it comes to many areas of our lives or, you know, so many things. But anyway, this man, he said, uh, Brother Hagin went to pray for him and and the Spirit of God spoke to him and said, uh, spiritual laws have been set in motion and cannot be reversed at this time. Release his spirit and let him come on home. Well, that's not what you want to hear. But if the Lord says something like that, you can't push something off on somebody uh, when they're the ones that have to open that door and here's a man in a coma he can't open that right, door yes, but what you say before you get into that condition is everything yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. and that's what Brother Hagan heard but he didn't understand what the Lord was saying to him he didn't know what that spiritual law was that had been set in motion so but he just knew through the years you can't you can't minister whenever the Holy Ghost's not in it so you have to obey, and so he did. He released the spirit, and then the man did. He went on home. Well, at the funeral, they, Brother Higgins, he's not asking. How many of you know the funeral is not the time to ask? Right. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> but, uh, but the family came to him, because mm-hmm. they had heard what what the Lord had said to Brother Hagin. At the funeral, they came to him and they said, "Would you like to know, you know, what that was all about?" He said, "Yeah." He said, uh, he said. And this pastor was his brother. This pastor that I was preaching for, remember I told you, he told me more of the story. This pastor told me more of the story was his brother. This man that had died of the coma in the coma was his brother. And the pastor said to me, when we were growing up uh, together as kids, we would, you know, just be horsing around, goofing off, wrestling, doing whatever we do, you know, as kids. And he said, every now and then he'd stop, even in his younger years, and he'd just look at me like, like he, he, some, something arrested his attention. And he would just look at me and say, You know, I'll never live to the age of 40. And then he'd go back and he'd be just goofing off again. It was just like something, something came to him and he spoke it and then just got back to being a kid again. And they said, uh, This man, the pastor that I talked to, his brother, said he did that a number of times. Throughout his growing up years. And he kept saying that. Kept saying that. And he got to be 39. I don't know how long it was. Until he was having his 40th birthday. He went into a coma. And somebody tried to minister to him. And the spirit of God said. A spiritual law has been set in motion. And can't be reversed at this time. Does anybody know what that spiritual law was? is faith 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 is a spiritual law look at hebrews 3 27 if you want to just write that down i I don't won't turn there but it says there there is a law spiritual law not not a law like you know speed limit law but a law like gravity you you can't get around gravity Right. right So that, there is a law. There's laws of the Spirit. There's things that govern the realm of the Spirit. And faith is one of those things that governs the direction our life goes or what God is able to do in our lives. Everybody still awake? We won't go much longer here. Praise the Lord. Because I want to lay hands on the sick this morning. God spoke to me, lay hands on the sick. But I want you to know that, that you can, when hands are laid on you, you can and should and must release your faith. Now, how do you do that? Believe, remember Mark 11:24. 24, believe that you receive. Believe that you receive. And then say what you believe. I believe I received my healing on Sunday morning, what is the 10th, 10th of December, right? Whatever time it'll be. And the power went into me, and I believe it's in their work and a healing and a cure. Amen. The woman with the issue of blood said, the, the moment I touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. She, in fact, the King James doesn't bring it out, but other translations bring it out, say they, that she kept saying. That was her point of contact. When those hands are laid on, well, she said she couldn't get to him, but she was able to touch him. When I touch him, that will happen. Amen. And then you walk by faith. Even if you can't see it for a while, sometimes it takes a while to show up, but that doesn't mean it doesn't start immediately. Like the fig tree. Fig tree dried up from the roots, and it started immediately, but you couldn't see it for 24 hours. That doesn't mean nothing's working. You, yeah. you keep believing God. Amen. Believe that you received. Yes, sir. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Lord. So, uh, but this young man, he said for all those years, growing up years, I don't know when he started, but somewhere there as a kid, up and through his teens and 20s and 30s, he's over into 39, he had kept saying, I'll never live to the age of 40. Yep. Yep. Got to be 39, closer to 40, fell into a coma and nobody could release their nobody could use their faith to override his faith because Jesus didn't say the minister's faith will make you whole he said your faith yes. will make you whole you can be believing god for me and i don't believe god and it won't work you. You, you can't make it work for me i can't get saved for you you can't get saved for me right I have to receive Jesus. I have to use my faith. Same thing true with healing or anything else. According to our faith, it's being done unto us. You know what that means? The sovereignty doctrine has some problems. Amen. (laughs) Amen. No, God's not just out there sovereignly doing these things. There's there's man's faith involved. So that man set that spiritual law in motion. Now, you could see, hear that story and, 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 and really miss what is actually happening there. What is actually happening is not God doing something. That man, God didn't set that in motion for that man. Right. That man set that in motion. Right. Yeah. I don't know if it was a demon spirit that would come and make the suggestion to his mind right. and then he would take the thought and say it. I don't, it wasn't God saying that to him. No. Because his word says, with long life I'll satisfy you and show you my salvation. See, this is all about the authority of the believer. You have the authority to say a thing, believe it, and it'll come to pass. Amen. Praise the Lord. Are you getting this? So the real damage that the idea of sovereignty does to people is it robs them of their, let's put it this way, it robs them of an appropriating faith. The, the idea of sovereignty is leaving it all up to God. And if man who is determining by his faith what, happened, what God is able to do in his life doesn't use his faith, then God can't go any further than his, his desire to do something. He has to wait for man to open the door, whether it's his sovereign will or not. God has sovereign plan, a sovereign will, sovereign things he wants to do, blessed with, but, but God doesn't always get his way. What? I don't know about that. Well, let me just give you some scriptures on that too. <laughs> Think about Mark chapter number 6. It says there in verse, this is in... Uh, Mark chapter number 6 there in Jesus' own hometown. You ever remember that? Yes. Mark chapter number 6, it says in verse 5, He could there do no mighty work. Does could there mean He wouldn't or it just means He couldn't? Maybe we ought to change that word for God and say it was the wrong word. You didn't mean to say it that way. <laughs> no, He couldn't. I thought He was God. He can do anything. God can't do anything. If people don't tithe, he can't make them tithe. Right? That's not the way he does things. Right? <laughs> he could there do no mighty work. He could there. Didn't say he wouldn't, it said he couldn't. In other words, he tried. In other words, he wanted to. You read the whole county, he did try. Let's, uh, let's see, all this is the verse there. I think we quoted it last week, where we talked about Psalm 78:41. <clears throat> I know we're giving a lot of scriptures, but some of us have been sitting in places we haven't got hardly anything for a while, and we can catch up by getting a lot of scriptures. <laughs> uh, praise the Lord. Um, I'm going to leave here and go, "Lord, did I really say that?" But anyway, um, but so uh Psalm 78, 41, talking about Israel. They turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. The context is them getting to Kadesh Barnea and God saying, go in and possess it. And they said, we can't. Remember? And the whole passage is referred to in the New Testament as a prime example of unbelief not to follow. Amen. So God can be limited. And that's what their Mark 6, 5 is talking about. He couldn't. It wasn't that he didn't want to. is that he couldn't because man didn't open the door to him through faith. Right. If you look at the context, they just say, well, he's just, you know, grew up in, over here in the sandbox with my son Joshua, you know. We know who he is. Who's he think he is? Got this anointing or something. Y'all still glad you came? Luke 13, 34 is another verse. Luke 13, Oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you that kill the prophets and stone them that are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together as a hen does gather her brood under her wings, and you would not. You would not. In other words, you limited me. I wanted to do something, but you limited me. That's not sovereignty. That's man limiting God. Isn't that right? God wanted to do something for them, but they wouldn't agree. They didn't respond. Notice, they controlled what God could do for them. Mm -hmm. They controlled what God could do for them. God didn't control what he was doing for them. See, I can feel that pushback. All these scriptures just blow holes through many things that are taught. They controlled what God could do for them. Isn't that right? You know what that means? They were in authority in the situation. Right. Yes, sir. So when God's sovereign, he's running everything. Uh-uh. There's a lot of things man's determining himself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This is good. right. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you can hear the longing in God's voice there, can't you? Yeah. Yes. Um, and there's other verses like that. Mm-hmm. So praise the Lord. Maybe we can close right there. That's, that's enough. There's so much we could say. Yeah. But this is just one of God's ways. He has ways about him like any other. He's not a person, you know, being, you know. He's, he's a spirit being. But uh, just like your, your husband, your wife that you get to know, they have ways about them, little, little idiosyncrasies and little works, quirks and things. <laughs> Maybe not bad, but just different, you know. Aren't you glad we aren't all the same? That would be, that'd be boring if everybody's like me. It'd be really boring if everybody's like a brother Andre. That'd be really bad. This is true. Amen. If you haven't learned it yet at Spirit of Faith Family Church, there's a verse that, that, that we we all stand on. It's called Whom the Lord Loveth, the Pastor Picketh On. <laughs> they keep telling me they can't find it. And I say, keep looking, it's in there somewhere. <laughs> Praise the Lord. The, the, the sovereignty doctrine makes people blind to the authority of the believer to determine whether God gets his way in our lives. That's the big statement for the morning. It makes people blind to the authority of the believer to determine if God gets his way in their lives. And it makes them think God's running everything. So that makes them passive, kind of leaving something up to God rather than, aggressive or active and bold in laying hold. Right. Yeah. That's good. You might not understand how that all works, but, but that, that is what we need to learn to do is learn to lay hold. Amen? Amen. A lot of times people are doing it out of ignorance, just, just wrong teaching. You can't hardly blame people because it's not clearly taught from the pulpits. Yeah. 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 Right? So, so you understand the way we're approaching this. Yes, Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Thank you, Father, for the truth of it. Thank you, Father, that it renews our mind. It it shows us reality. It shows us the way you see things. Father, we thank you for the privilege of meditating in it. Thank you, Father, for the uh, good soil that the Word has found this morning and has landed in the hearts of good soiled people that are hungry to know the truth. Hallelujah. Thank you that you honor your Word with signs following. Father, we give you all the praise in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. 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 I heard a story years ago of a baseball game that uh, was in the last inning. score was tied. The bases were full. I mean, the, the proverbial three balls and two strikes, full count. I mean, this pitch is it. And uh, everybody's on, you know on the edge. Uh, seats are just full of anticipation. What's going to happen? Right. The pitcher winds up, he throws. The batter doesn't swing. And the catcher catches the ball, and the auditor- I mean the, the, the arena or not, not the arena, you know what I mean, the stadium it's, it's quiet. And the catcher says, what is it? Um, what is it? And he said, it ain't nothing until I say it's something. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. right. You That's Did you get it? Yeah. Yes, sir. <laughs> it ain't yeah. nothing. Some of you are thinking about it. Until I say it. He said, it ain't nothing until, until, I, until I say, say it's it something. It. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. He knew the place he had in the game of determining who won there. Yep. What it's gonna yeah. be. Yeah. Come on. Because if it's a walk, yeah. the guy comes home. And yeah. 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 that team wins, right? Yeah. If it's a strike, then there's a longer game to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. It ain't nothing. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well that's the way it is in your life. Mm-hmm. The yeah. devil will throw you circumstances yeah. and the whole spirit realm and the natural world look and say, What are you gonna call it? Uh-huh. What are you gonna call it? Yeah. Yeah. And the devil thinks he's the umpire of your life and that he's going to call it like he wants it. But he's not the umpire of your life. You're the umpire of your life. And it ain't nothing until you say it's something. The devil will throw you a pitch and say, you see what that is? That's sickness. And you say, it ain't nothing until I say it's something. And I say, I'm redeemed, I'm healed, I'm delivered. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. That umpire knew the place he had to determine who won the game. And you need to know the place you have to determine whether God or the devil wins in your life. You. Yes. So good. Praise the Lord. So good. Hallelujah. 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 Let's stand to our feet. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, it ain't nothing, it ain't nothing. until you say it's something. Until you say it something. That's the authority you have in, in your life. Amen. And let me tell you something. If, if, if you say what God says, if you say... Because the devil will throw you th- things and say, "See what you are. You're sick. You're broke. You're busted. You're disgusted. You, you know, whatever." <laughs> and and <laughs> I'm having a good service this morning. Yeah, good. <laughs> and 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 you say what God says rather than what He says. Mm-hmm. You know, God will hold your call up in review. Yes, He will. He will. He'll hold what you say up in your review. He watches over what you believe and say. Based on his covenant, he watches over that to perform it. He'll back you up. Let's review this. Yep, that's exactly what my word says. I'm backing him up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.